Welcome to Moving a Beer, everybody. This is Dan Kapritsky bringing us in, and we have three wonderful co-hosts and friends and guests with us tonight to talk about an interesting film that we just watched and a few beers that we just had. But first, let us get the introductions out of the way, because there's a bunch of them. Yeah, happy to join. This is Aaron. I'm the resident time travel expert. I came here actually traveling through time from two minutes ago. Yes, you did. It was a trip. It was a trip. Two minutes ago was very different. Not to be confused with 2004. No, no. 2004 was more than two minutes ago. 2004 was a myth. It never actually happened. It didn't. And who's that 2004 denier? (laughs) (laughs) It's Blake, your Ryan Reynolds expert. And let me just point out, Aaron's stealing my bit. Yes. I don't care for it. He already stole it. That was two minutes ago. He's been doing it. It's a thing. We'll get into it later. We'll be in post-credit scene. We'll go back to the past and we'll we'll hash it out. And I'm a new join to Movina Beer. My name's Brian Richard, and uh, I'm glad to be here. All right, Brian. Awesome. So he's one of our gaming nerd friends. If we digress into that, I do apologize, but we're going to try to keep on track. And we're talking a little sci-fi time travel stuff because we watched The Adam movie, Project. The Adam Project, which is starring... Brian Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, Christine Keener, some dude with a messed up face, some kid... <laughs> And somebody who's trapped in a soul stone, but we're not going to give that away. Oh, She's not trapped in a soul stone. It's not in the comic books people are trapped in the soul stone because that's a whole different yes. realm. In the movies, it's a younger version representing him coming to and, terms, and coming to peace. Zoe, Zoe Saldana. No, yes. Zoe Saldana's not trapped. God, what's her? Gamora. It's Gamora. Yes, Gamora's and trapped. I'm, We love love poking a little bit, but it's all good. All right, so (laughs) there's a film that came out. This is a Netflix production. It's available for streaming. Adam Project. It's sci-fi. Older Adam comes back in time to the distant year of 2002. We're gonna go back in time. I thought it was 2022. He comes back to today. Yeah, yeah. From 40 years. Yeah, got me all worked up. He's saying shit that makes me angry. (laughs) She's not trapped in a soul stone. This film actually has a lot of great production quality. The visuals are really nice. The special effects are amazing. Lots mm-hmm. of things kind of coming in and out of focus and out of like, oh, magically appearing. That was invisible. It's like, mm-hmm. it actually looks a little believable. I, I'm pretty sure those guys were jumping through time. High production value, almost high concept. Yeah, high concept. But it's a story about fathers and sons and fixing what's broken and yes. writing wrongs. And, and so the whole twist is, okay, yeah, how do we know that it hasn't already been changed? Right. And that's the question that never gets answered because you don't. You don't know if it's already been changed because you don't know because there's no baseline to measure. Memory changes as Mm -hmm. time changes. So it's everyone is on their own stream, but when they start crossing streams, things get wonky. There was a meditation, though, too, about how even the, the main character, old Adam, like his memory of important relationships in his life had changed. Like there were so many ways that he had figured things out, there were so many ways that he had, you know, emotionally matured and developed. But then there were some very basic things that he he came to have a very different perspective versus his young self. And and somewhere between young Adam and old Adam is going to be the truth. Yeah. But the, they're both perceiving the same things very, very differently. I thought yeah, that was very interesting. And so we knew what we were going to watch ahead of time. And I picked out a couple of beers at Fred Meyer, big local grocery store chain. You know, So these are beers you can get at most places. They're not super hidden in secret. The first one we tried was a was called Dreamsicle and is from Backwoods Brewing, which is from like Stevenson, Washington. It's on the north side of the gorge, a little bit east of Vancouver, which is across the river from where we are. And the other one was a pre-prohibition lager from Fort George. So out in Astoria. 
the reason I picked these two beers was a, he travels back in time to his younger self. So it's like, Hey, let's have something that tastes like when we were kids, creamsicle, totally, mm-hmm. you know, dirt, totally on point. We all ate dirt. If I was yes. a 12 year old, that would be the beer. 12 year old me would be. Drinking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then time traveling pre abortion, pre prohibition lager, which is typically, you know, they, a lot of different breweries make them, but this one is really nice. It's done with a cornflake and it's, it's a very nice beer. And we'll talk about those a little bit later on. But first, let's dig into this film. I think there's a lot of interesting. Dan, you're, you're missing the obvious, the obvious phrase here. Let's smoke this banana. Let's smoke this banana, <laughs> which is said a number of times and in different contexts. Indeed, lots of fun things. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, you know this relative to you know Back to the Future or Doctor Who or some of the other like famous time travel. Timey wimey time travel. Yeah, timey wimey time travel and. Each of those franchises approaches the science of, you know, altering the time stream. Even like Star Trek had some stuff like this. Yes. The Atom Project felt really hand wavy a bit about, you know, altering the, the the past and the future. You know, there's there's rules and there's ethics that, you know, are are clearly laid out in the movie as as it unco- uh, you know, as and, it moves and they forward. even talk about that. They, they warn they that. warn themselves, don't do that. Yeah. But then they disregard it for very right. human reasons. The, the movie doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah, yeah, Brian, that's exactly at the end where of I was the going. Day, yep. And it never shows any kind of effect of, right. of the time paradoxes that are happening yes. all throughout the movie. There's no consequence for that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. There isn't, but, and you don't know because you don't know. That's the whole thing. They mentioned why we don't know if she went, the, the woman who funded everything, let's just plot spoil it as we do. As she goes do. back. She goes back to change it. She goes back as, and they even talk about that Biff with the hey, we're going to give you the all the sports, the sports almanac, and oh, it's yeah, literally the, referenced in this film. It did it's reference like, Back to the Future. There, yeah. we're going to go back. And we're going to give you all the information you need in order to become wealthy, so that you can control the future. Though I appreciate that as a time travel movie, it references other time travel movies. My biggest gripe with zombie movies is they never act like they've heard of zombies before. Yeah, I know. They see people shuffling forward and eating people, going, "What are those? What do we do? Have you not?" Come on, George Romero yeah. has to exist in this universe. Call them yes. zombies. Like, come on. <laughs> like, time travel thing, reference Back to the Future. Like, that's the only thing that really takes me out of the film is yeah. when they, they don't re- reference existing, pro- existing projects that should happen. I'm so worked <laughs> up, I'm smacking my microphone. Yes, yes. So, Brian, I want to know what you think about how they treated the time travel paradox in this one because you, you have not had the opportunity to spread the love of your wisdom on our podcast before. And I'm curious if your thoughts on, cause you're, you obviously, you work in that industry. You work in, in time travel, in time, time, travel. Work in time travel. <laughs> yes. And so I'm, I'm an astrophysicist. Yes. With a three PhDs. And an emphasis yes. on the ass ladies. Yes. <laughs> now, so since we didn't do this in my intro, uh, I am a TV and film editor. Yeah. I've been so for 24 years. I uh, just recently moved up to the Northwest from Los Angeles, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, uh, uh, I'm i loving making new friends and meeting new beers. Yes. So that's and why I'm here. It's yes. time travel, though, because you do all this in the future. You did it in the future, yes. and now you're going back and doing it again. Right. Time's a flat circle, dude. It doesn't is. exist. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go there. We've done a few time travel movies, oh, I'm but I'm curious about, obviously, you, you've seen a lot of TV and a lot of film, and you're you're knowledgeable as a geek as the rest of us are on how, how does that work? How does the paradox work? How do you think this film held up to breaking the rules and not caring? Well, it bothered me a little bit that they seemed very concerned with saying, Oh my God, there's going to be a paradox. Oh my God, let's follow the rules. 
but they never bothered to show us what happens if you break the rules because they it clearly the rules were broken because you're mm-hmm. interfering with time in multiple instances throughout the film. Multiverse is mentioned a few times. That's a concept that like the Marvel MCU and a little bit in the DCU, not quite yet. It, there's time travel that is going to happen with that in the near future. Or has so, it already happened? Multiverse, it has already happened. I mean, so yes, in the comics, in, in the comics, yes, it's happened. There's, I'm saying like as we speak, someone's going to listen to this years l- later and go, yeah, that already happened. What are you yeah, guys talking about? Yeah, that already happened. Oh, that's a form so, of time travel. has been dead so, for 10 years. <laughs> I'm a fan of how the MCU talks about the Sorcerer Supreme explained it to the Hulk, the brainy Hulk. His term is Professor yes. Hulk, and it's Professor Tilda Hulk. Swinton, so- Sorcerer Supreme, not yes. Benedict Cumberbatch or Benedict Wong. Correct. So this this happens in the past when they're going back to get the time stones, and they're like, are the different stones for the gauntlet? And the whole idea is that yes, every every time stream is just independent at this point. Like right. any time you make a decision, and there's a really interesting theory that I've asked. I love asking young people about this. I'm like, every decision you make creates a different time stream. Oh, hundred percent. Every conscious being creates its own time stream you exist and they kind of talk about that in the film a little bit it's like you have your own specific point in time as it as a conscious being and how does that work out they called that like, was it the prime uh what, what was the, the terminal the term that they used for it in this movie i forget it something was, like that your, uh, your fixed timeline fixed timeline yeah thank yeah. you thank you yeah so you and your consciousness are on a fixed timeline but you can vary and oh, go god. oh god oh god is my consciousness showing i'm sorry guys somewhere. i'm sorry yeah, zipping I'm, sound effect <laughs> i think it's interesting that they played on that a little bit well, and they did, but they they didn't bother to lay it out for correct. the audience. Correct. Which in the Marvel universe, and also I I thought this was very clever in the J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, the new set of Star Trek movies. Yeah. Because they started at a point that was that was common to both franchises, and that said from the new Star Trek movie onward, this is a new time stream. And they made that very, very clear. Oh, yeah. I thought it was very, very clever. But they did not say that explicitly in the film, which I I feel that if you're making a film for entertainment, you need to hand-feed your audience a little bit. Mm -hmm. There are audiences who like a thinking movie, but this isn't a high-intellect movie. Mm -hmm. So you you should hand-feed your audience a little bit more... So they can go along with the story. That, that touches on a theme I had noticed. There, in this movie, there's sort of a duality. There's two competing decision-making. Uh, th- th- some characters will make decisions with their head and then reverse themselves and make decisions with their heart. Yes. And, and, that, and, I, don't, and I think that might be kind of the, uh, the, I don't know, the family appeal that maybe Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is, is going for, for you know, with, with the, uh, the Adam Project. But, yeah. but it, it's interesting how th- there are some moments where... A, you know, a plot device will, or the plot will move forward based on a character suddenly changing their decision-making method from their head to their heart. And they do it without much remorse. Yeah. yeah they just do it. Yeah. And that I don't think is reality. I think people put a little bit more thought into it, or they just do react and they don't put any thought into it. Right. Right. And maybe it, that's what they were going for. It's almost like it's a big Hollywood budget production trying to make Netflix look more uh, legitimate as a film production company. <laughs> Maybe. Huh? Weird, huh? <laughs> Maybe. Almost. I will say I enjoyed how this movie was part of Netflix's whole slate of, hey, you don't have to go out to see movies. We got movies here. And this is like trailer for trailers. And it was kind of fun to watch. And this was one of the, the key ones they were pushing. And I could see why. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad film. 
uh, kid appropriate. Not a lot of foul language. No nudity. There are lightsabers. There are lightsabers, and we they're not like called multiple. lightsabers. They're they're, they're log sabers. Yeah, <laughs> log sabers. There, there's multiple. There's like little nunchuck ones, and then there's the big staff. There mm. might be one or two scenes with alcohol, but no smoking. Yeah, no smoking. I mean, yeah. this is a very kid appropriate film. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the 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 kid uh, in this film actually has a, like a really important role to play is really influential and smart and really emotionally intelligent sometimes outmaneuvering the adults in the room I, I think you know for for kids to see that and have kind of the you know this good example although I mean there are times where the kids a real asshole honestly too however yeah. oh no and he stole that you're like why yeah. are you being such a jerk but he, yeah you're right he gets called on it and uh, you know maybe we see him learn maybe we see him adapt maybe we see him just jump back and forth through time and not have consequences. We don't know. Yeah. Mm. That's for the sequel, his girlfriend's name project. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel terrible. I forgot. So he saw down his name, Laura, <laughs> Laura project. The yeah. Laura project. Yeah. So he goes back in time looking for her, but he's also like, I want to destroy, let's just plot spoil. We, we, he wants to stop time travel from happening. And if you do that, what happens to you in that time stream? You, so get, you, you get, get to see Catherine Keener act with herself as a younger, naive version in an older, broken version, which correct. I thought was super cool. I appreciate they did explain a few things like, Hey, what's happening to the dudes? Like you, you hit them or you kill them and they just poof, disappear. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, don't die when you're not in your time stream because it gets ugly. You kind of just atomize. Mm-hmm. Atomize. Adam eyes. Adam eyes. <laughs> uh, you're not laughing, Brian. It wasn't. <laughs> well, because it wasn't a good joke, Dan. Not every joke I say is gold. <laughs> I'm sorry. Production quality wise. I love this. It was, yeah. it was good. I mean, I, the special effects weren't overwhelming. Can I yeah. talk on that point? Yeah, nah. please. One thing I hate in uh, high CG films, yeah. it's it's an effect I called robots punching robots for a half hour. Mm. Ah, the it, Transformers we, paradox. Very, the Transformers paradox. Very much felt like I, that. It, I feel like a lot of movies that are CG heavy these days, they fall back on the CG, mm-hmm. and there's so much shit going on on screen that you don't know what's going on, and that mm-hmm. goes on for a half hour I, because they have the budget to do that. Now, this is a Netflix movie, so maybe they didn't have the budget to do that, but I really appreciated that the effects were high quality, mm-hmm. but there wasn't so much of it that I... There to was, distract. Yeah, it there was distract. not so much going on on the screen that, yeah. I, that it wasn't, I couldn't watch the film. It wasn't yeah. obtrusive. And, yeah. and Brian, I, I think I wholeheartedly agree with where you're going here because sometimes I, I think movies will, will rely on the, the special effects to an extent that they don't develop the characters and like a character's emotional journey and how a character changes. Like they don't explore necessarily the dynamics between different characters. You know, the, the special effects are, are there for the entertainment value and, and they don't, a film may not... Um, uh, put as much time and effort into into the writing and, until, and, and the storytelling until story. after the fact. Yeah, yes. that's yeah. a long way to describe a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> <laughs> All Michael Bay but, films, mm-hmm. except The Rock. The Rock holds up. But the, the Adam Project did have a good balance. I think. I mean, the the characters okay. were all relatable. The the special effects were good, and like you know, clearly to illustrate time travel and some of the combat and the you know the the time. I can't even. T- I was going to say interstellar. That's the wrong word. What would like interchronological? It, it was it was well done, but it wasn't obtrusive. They were in service of the story. Yeah, in mm-hmm. most instances, yeah. and which, the, the, which the, I think the, is where you were going. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 final climactic scene, which I'm not going to spoil. That was really CG heavy, I would say. Very CG heavy. Don't shoot armor-piercing bullets next to an electromagnetic field. 
But Dan, I want to kill wink, my wink, younger self. Spoiler. Wink, wink. It's a good film. Uh, predictable ending. Brian and I were, as the film was progressing, saying the lines just before they said them in the film, which is like, oh, yeah, this is really deep writing. But I digress. It was, it was predictable in, in some, some aspects. But it's, I think it's not meant to be deep. It's not meant to be heavy. It's, yeah. it's meant to be it's fun. A fun. Not every movie has to be Casablanca, guys. Oh you can God, have really? a silly, turn your brain off yeah. film just it, to have a good time. Some and, movies are like Troy. Oh, jeez. Let's time travel back Troy's to that eh. one. I like this more. I like this better than Troy. Yeah, this is what, about an hour and 40-some minutes minus credits? Unless you go back in time, then it's zero minutes. Yes, correct. Uh, can I say a word about the soundtrack? You though? can. They, nah. that, I was going to mention there's there's some interesting sounds. A lot of RO Speedwagon. A lot I don't, of music choices. I do not song. understand the music choices in this. Because, I mean, like Led Zeppelin for a combat sequence, and it wasn't even like the combat song. I'll remind you, sir. Immigrant song and Thor okay. Ragnarok, both times flawless. Immigrant song, Heartbreaker. Uh, you know, there there are Led Zeppelin songs that I would feel like have that kind of energy for that type of scene, but this is this is not the song that they chose. Yeah, they, it was not a good choice. It, it it was it was noticeable, and I think if a soundtrack is noticeable, like if you're if you're saying like, why is this '80s? Why are they playing Journey? Yeah, yeah, or like they, the, a, the a big, lot of early '80s. <laughs> the big, in the big soundtrack final battle scene had his blaring Boston song, and I yeah. was like, "I love Boston, but this does not what." It didn't make any sense. Is it meant to appeal? Like maybe the the kid is meant to appeal to the young people in the family and for for Netflix family night, and then the soundtrack is like throwing a bone for the older. Well, when like how old? Like in their late fifties? Because some of the songs these were all eighties songs. To make and as somebody in their fifties, I'm like I knew who they were and I knew the songs, but I was like. I'm going to do the math that they didn't do when they said uh, they traveled 44 years when it wasn't 44. I'm going to do the math and say, if somebody's late 50s and they got a 12-year-old, they got started on their family late. But it's not not impossible, but... In defense of all that, when Big Adam shows up and is recovering in that shed, he puts on one of his dad's records, which is an old song. The whole thing is connecting to their dad... Who that's probably the one that's probably one of the few connecting things they have because Ryan Reynolds said he's a bad dad but he remembers this music. Also, on the point of silly music in movies, James Gunn nails it every fucking time. (laughs) Every time, but this isn't a James Gunn. I know. I just I felt like Aaron coming at me. This is so Brian knows the person who actually did this film. Talk about that. Yeah, Brian knows Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I'm furious about it. Actually, I thought Brian knew Jennifer Garner. I was I was going to say I would love to know Jennifer Garner. Brian knows somebody. He's going to name drop here in a sec. Let's do this. Let's put Brian on the spot. Let's get him the dog. <laughs> I went to film school with the director, Sean Levy. Can't say a whole lot about him because he was about a year ahead of me in school. I took one class with him. Uh, nice enough guy. We haven't stayed in touch. But, yeah, I know yeah, the director. He's making films. Well, he's was, making films. That was sure worth uh, cutting aside, Dan. So <laughs> that that <laughs> is uh, kidding. the USC School of Cinematic Arts. There you know, you know. In, a, in a different time stream, you guys are like BFFs. Yeah, I'm something sure. like that. In a different time stream, you directed Free Guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's editing shit, and you're doing the good stuff over there. Yeah, no, that's all good. I, I'm too lazy to be a director. Yeah, there's there's it, a certain re- amount of It requires effort. work. It requires a lot of work really to does. make a film. It does. You know what else requires a lot of work? Making a good beer. Yes, it does. Oh, I, I oh, thought you were going to say making like a segue. international yeah, conglomerate. He's really good at it. He is, because he's like looking at the time going like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not looking at the time. I'm just thinking about how much talking has been going. Don't uh, stop kicking my stand. <laughs> I'll kick you next. <laughs> yeah, bring it home. <laughs> All right. So there is a few things we can briefly mention before we talk about beer. And there's some great trivia that Blake. Do we well, want there's to only do? one really good trivia. <laughs> And I was gonna wasn't gonna cover it because we got so much other discussion the, going. But the Garner cool. Ruffalo universe. 
Oh, that's not a good joke. I didn't land with anybody. Uh, the real uh, trivia is apparently this movie was set up to be filmed with Paramount like years ago with Tom Cruise as the lead. What? Yes. Tom How Cruise. different would that have been? There would have been Ugh. no heart in this movie. None. No. Say what he's, you will about Ryan Reynolds. He brings heart to a movie. He has. He's a person. He, and he's not Tom, five foot tall. He's, he's affable, he's like goofy. <laughs> yes. it, and, it, and it takes this movie genuine. three steps yes. closer into a comedy. Yes. Whereas Tom Cruise, it'd be three steps into insanity. It'd be an Edge of Tomorrow knockoff. He, he wouldn't have laid on that couch. He would have jumped up and down on that couch. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a what a what a current era joke, Dan. <laughs> I know it's like, oh. yeah. If you don't know, just Google no, Tom Cruise go- jumping Google. on a couch. Everybody knows Dan. Everybody Google knows Tom Cruise middle tooth. He has a middle front tooth. I it's know. weird looking. It's bizarre. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. So this is our midpoint where we're gonna now segue into talking about some beers that we had while we watched this wonderful film, The Adam Project. The Adam Project, which stars. A whole bunch of really cool people, Mark but Ruffalo. primarily Mark Ryan, Ryffalo was the, one Ryan of Reynolds. the main. Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, a twelve-year-old, and a dog. But it's Jennifer Garner's actual real dog. Yeah. That's what's amazing. Birdie, B R I D R. Yeah, kids at home, figure it out and, te- and tw- tweet at us how to spell birdie. <laughs> Actually, that dog was a great actor. It, the dog did what he needed to do. Yeah. The dog was emotively like believable. I could identify with the dog. Uh, yes. the, the young Adam is played by Walker Scobell. Scobel or Scobell? It's two L's at the end. I think S C O B E L L. Scobel. 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 It could be Scobel because there's um, there's some Norwegians among us and they may know how to pronounce it better than we do. There is another uh, another actor in the film. I think it's the bully that has a very Nordic name. Oh my God! Yeah. This is this kid's first project. It's wow. an Adam project. He did good. Yes. Congratulations did to him. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. he gets a lot more roles. I really yeah. liked him. He was really well, really, really, really well done. Thanks for hanging in there, everybody. So we're going to talk briefly for a moment or three about some beers that we had. Uh, we had picked the film out beforehand. And I was walking through Fred Meyer's going like, hey, I want to have something that tastes from my childhood. Because this is about going back to your childhood. I mean, that's the whole point. He goes back by accident and kind of misses his initial time shot to go visit his dad. But he is a few years short, so he ends up seeing himself as a kid. So 10-year-old me is like, I loved orange pops. I loved the... the, Mm -hmm. the, Orange crush. 10-year-old me loves beer. It was like a vanilla ice cream covered with the orange... Yeah, it, it was kind of like a orange sickly kind of thing. Sickle. So it was, yeah, orange cream sickle pops. Sickle. Very, mean, very I, cool can. Excellent can design. Yes. So the first beer we had is called Dream Sickle. It's a gold nail from Backwoods Brewing, which is, as mentioned previously, they do have a downtown Portland tap room location, but they do all their production out in Stevenson, Washington. Mm-hmm. And they've been around a few years. So it's a 5% kind of middle of the road, temp, 10 IBU. So not bitter at all. It's just really kind of not sweet, a little tart, a little dry. Mm-hmm. That tartness did make me think of like almost like a, a not quite grapefruit, but there was acidity. Yeah, there definitely was. It was and it was a pleasure. It was a it was a delicious, wonderful drink. Soft, crushable, Crush, very yeah. soft, very crushable. Brian, you've been very quiet for a little while. I want to know your thoughts on this beer. All right. Well, the creamsicle beer, I actually did not like it a whole lot. Get the hell off this podcast. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm no, like, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, what, what's what's so, your take so, on it? Is well. First, let's say that I, I don't have a very distinct beer palette yet. No, I've, I've only been in the Northwest for three years, so I... Yeah, you're working on it. I'm working on it. Even though you say it, it's it's not meant to be bitter, I, I found it a little bitter. I wouldn't necessarily say it doesn't have... It doesn't have a lot of IBUs, so bitter units, but it doesn't mean it can't have a bitter profile. So as you know, if you've ever eaten citrus any kind of orange or grapefruit, you have this white stuff on the inside of the peel that's called pith. 
uh-huh. which is super bitter. That's where all that bitterness, other than the juice and the rind, and rindy, pithy. Yeah, I mean, it, it did have some bitterness from it. Funny Brian fact, I hate grapefruit. There you go, so and that's there probably, you go. probably that's why it wasn't That's probably appealing. what I'm tasting. Yeah. 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 So uh, it was fine. I agree with Blake. It was a delightful light beer to get the movie started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it smashed the, the early part of the movie really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of slow. There was a little action. The the beer kind of fit a little bit with, you know, hey, it's going to set it up, and then we'll get into the better and stuff. And the con- playful curiosity. Conceptually... Yes. I like the pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't personally enjoy that beer. Y'all, no, y'all know, messed good. up. Y'all, y'all are happy to to disagree. We can agree, and I will agree with you on that point because that I didn't really think a lot about that. But it is, it did have that dry, pithy acid kind of take you can get from orange, yeah. especially if you use blood orange, which is super dry. This but, didn't. This, but it was really kind of light in color. White foamy head, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, very pleasant on the nose. Wasn't S- offensive. Some creamy, some little, creaminess to it. A little creaminess to it. Not a lot. And mm-hmm. I think the whole point was that we're just going to make a crushable, approachable beer that isn't offensive. Well, it was yeah. crushable because I crushed it very quickly against his and forehead. I had two of them, so I can't complain. I'll also say that <laughs> I think I was expecting something that tasted much more like a creamsicle. Yeah. I was expecting that and, too, and it, yeah. and it was. It wasn't there. It was a beer. Yeah, it, it was, was a, a beer. Was a beer. Yeah. I was concerned because it looked like one of those beers that Dan makes me try, and I go, "I hate this." <laughs> yeah, I no, hate this candy beer. This wasn't. I this do. wasn't super sweet. <laughs> this wasn't a juicy. Yeah. You know, one of those what you would call a slushy beers or Ugh. anything like that. It didn't have any pulp. It's just flavor on a blonde or a golden ale. Is yeah. There, there is some hint or allusion though to to like the orange creamsicle of my youth. Correct. You know, like it's not pithy and bitter. All, all, you know, thoroughly like well, it's not. Well, you put the popsicle stick in there. That's what you're probably <laughs> talking about. <laughs> yeah, I did. I froze it. Well, yeah, we yeah. yeah. yeah it was that really was the time travel. The time travel's waiting we, for it to freeze in the free, freezer. Someone knows started time. bleeding. Yeah, I'm gonna keep going back to that because it's fun. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> I would agree. I, not necessarily for me. Enough of the creamsicle flavor profile. It had orange and vanilla, but still shallow. I mean, it's a blonde mm-hmm. ale. It's not. Mm-hmm. As some of us here in the room have had, there's these super juice bomb, like it's either going to be way dry and super juicy and acid, or it's just going to be super sweet, pulpy, like you're drinking a smoothie. This was neither of those. Nah. So, I, you know, a gentle approach to beer drinking, if you're unfamiliar with it, and hey, it, it as Blake, I would agree, it kind of went well with the movie because it was kind of soft, rounded, and kind yeah. of approached it. This movie doesn't person. offend anybody. No, and that beer, you may not well, like except it, for but Brian, it, you but can <laughs> still drink it. It's not yeah, bad. No. It's just not necessarily it, your It was your, fine. Your, your it's, it's not my cup of tea. Because you like darker beers. I know that. I do. Well, fingers that crossed this next one, uh, Brian approves. So I, have to, I have to banish two breweries <laughs> from, my, from my listing. <laughs> yes. So the second one in, that in we solidarity, tried. solidarity, buddy. Yeah. Cheers. I was thinking time travel. Okay, so there's beer profiles and beer styles that have been around a really long time. And one here in America, because this takes place here in America, is... Um, it might be in British Columbia, though. I know the filming was in <laughs> British Columbia, but the cars had the Washington, cars had Washington State, plates. Washington yeah. State. Yeah, because the car can't drive across the border. I, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's just like you know, Stargate. <laughs> so many like sci-fi shows. They all all these different planets looked exactly like British Columbia. They do. That's because they got it right. Yeah. All right. I'm talking about pre-prohibition lager style beer. Yes. So this is a style not a lot of breweries do. Some put out in cans and bottles. And the one that we had was called 1811 
pre-prohibition lager from Fort George Brewing. Mm-hmm. 5.1%, very kind of light and crushable, very, very low bitterness, uh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. most of them should be more sweet. Pre-prohibition means they're going to use corn or rice as an adjunct, as the primary sugar-providing agent in the malt profile, so to speak. Um, this one uses cracked maize. Was that because in pre-prohibition, that's what they could get their hands that's on? That's what they could get their okay. hands on. Okay. So we're talking, you know, 1800s, cool. there's not a lot of grain growing and there's not a lot of distribution you get what's is, is available around you. So they knew in order to make yeah. beer, you had to have something that had sugar in it. So corn, rice, if it was available, rice Snickers, didn't really come into Snickers the, bars, Snick, Reese's Cups. Yes, all of those things. And so they also... Tried to, I, I believe this one uses uh, Saz and Centennial hops. So Centennial's been around in the U.S. a long time. Saz is something that came over from Europe. The hop profiles are going to be very mild. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. a lower alpha acidity, so they're not they're not going to be super bitter up front. You're going to taste a little bit of bitterness, but the corn and the malt profile is going to kind of take over a little bit. This is a you know a lighter orange, clearer colored beer. Brian has a little bit in the glass in front of him, and you know the head it's you know, a little bit of retention, but it warms up. And and this is one of those beers that doesn't change a lot in the flavor as it warms up. Whereas that dreamsicle definitely changed a little bit as it warmed up. It got drier as it warmed. These kind of beers, which is pre-prohibition lagers or lagers in general, American style lagers are going to be everything from Bud, Bud Light, Coors, you know, all those. Mm, All the good ones. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) Delicious. Use adjuncts. PBR. I suddenly think to ask Mm. about pre-prohibition beer, like, you know, before the advent of refrigeration, when you had like ice houses yep. and ice blocks, like was the average beer served at a warmer temp yes. then than it was today? Oh yeah, no, they didn't have refrigeration for it, right. so everything was done at what you call cellar temp. Mm-hmm. You go to Europe, most of the breweries and bars and places you're going to go to, they're called pubs, Dan. Pubs, especially in England, P- public where you, houses, like pub, pub, public houses, all nerd. the same thing. <laughs> in England, you're going to find a lot of bars don't have their beer. In a refrigerator. Yeah. They have it in the cellar below and it's just coming up from a line. And so 55 degrees instead of like 35 degrees. Correct. I wonder, like this, this, because this beer, it's, I still have a little bit in front of me. It's mm-hmm. all, it's warmed up, but it's still really nice. It's mm-hmm. still really yeah. delicious. It shouldn't go skunky. It shouldn't get bad, so to speak. And those cheaper American lagers that are out there, yes, they go bad when they warm up. They taste like crap. A yeah. good pre prohibition whole- style shouldn't do that. Sorry, when the whole advertising campaign is, have this beer ice cold, that's usually a sign that it tastes bad if it's anything but above. <laughs> if, if you have to see the can change colors to know it's cold enough to drink, that is a bad sign. Yeah. You don't yeah. want that. I think this beer matches the movie as a whole better. It, frankly, this tastes like a Ryan Reynolds movie beer. I go watch almost anything that he's in. Uh, we could have done aviation gin shots, but we didn't. I, I don't uh, know if that goes to the movie. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Because this beer tastes the same when it warms up, you could have, if you wanted to have, have just one. Yeah, pour it's it, laugh. sip through the whole hour and a half movie, and you won't have any surprises. Yeah, and it's a tall boy can. So it's, it's, yeah. if you're a slow drinker, sorry, you're, you're going to have funny, yeah, tall boy I mean, cans I, only. Yeah, there's the, the most of the cans we have are tall, but mm. the, the first one we had were in short, normal size soda uh, pop cans. Yeah, I know we liked it. How'd, uh, how'd, Aaron and, and Brian feel about it. Yeah, what are I, your thoughts? I certainly liked it a lot more than the first one. Mm-hmm. I can um, see that. It was a good beer. It was enjoyable. It, it was light. It wasn't real heavy. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, that was preferred because it was my third beer of the evening. Yes. <laughs> Cereal grains, a little doughiness on the mid and the back. So it's it's going to hold up the hops. 
are very delicate and are going to just show up a little bit on the front. And then it's just going to have that kind of sweet, bready cracker cereal almost. I really do enjoy a really good pre-prohibition lager. There's not a lot of people making them, but the ones that are being made and canned and distributed, most of them are pretty decent. And I think this one, very crushable. Again, you can let it sit and warm up and you're okay. Uh, I think this one also, I would agree, goes well with the film. Uh, Not distracting at all, kind of just went along for the ride. Did what it needed to do, like it came from the past. It hit you in that same spot where an affable, funny, warm-hearted Ryan Reynolds is going to hit you. Yes, very warm. Yeah. Warm, warm, warm. There's four of us, and I'm not sure, do we want to try and do a beer and rename game, or do we want to do a time travel quiz? Time travel quiz. Time travel quiz. Time travel quiz. Time travel quiz. The idea for this off the top of my head is if you were to have gone back in time in your own life, because we're all in our mids, we're older than 30, so we're in our mids. I'm the baby. (laughs) I'm staring at you, Blake. You're the youngest. If we could go back to our 10 to 12 to 15-year-old self as happened in this film, what would we say? What would we do? Hmm. Just be weird, buddy. I would tell my younger self, don't stop being weird. Just be weird. Be Be you, bud. Be you. Being in rural Virginia and people, you know, if I tell them, oh, man, did you see this show Mystery Science Theater 3000 to other like 12 year olds? And they're like, what are you talking about? What, we don't know what that is. Oh, OK, we'll talk about whatever show you're talking about, I guess. I go back and tell them, keep doing it, man. Keep talking about it. Get into that weird stuff. Make your own. I didn't have cable growing up. I had the he standard He had a pterodactyl channels. reading the radio to him. And when I was in school and, and kids were talking about what was on cable... I had no idea. Likewise, likewise. I, so th- I knew there was an MTV, and I thought it was all you know, like PTV or QTV. Oh, jeez. All right, Brian, you're the oldest of the th- of of the table. I'm going to call you out. not by much though. I'm I'm you're, you're Bro, it's, 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 it's fine. Yeah. So first, I want to talk in relation to the movie. Okay. I thought the older Ryan Reynolds was really mean to the younger Ryan. Reynolds. He was pretty brutal. He's bitter, and, and I definitely wouldn't have been that way to myself. Right. Mm. And I would have just said that uh, it gets better because I was a nerd. I was an outcast. I was, you know, an outsider for sure. Mm -hmm. It gets better. And you are made of the stuff that's going to get you through anything. You're you're still walking. You're you're talking. You're happy when you're as old as I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. It gets better. It does get better. And I would agree. That's probably something I would also say. Life does get better. There's always opportunities. Take every chance you can. Make chances for yourself. And that's really, when I do work coaching and mentoring, I tell people that. I'm like, where are you in your life? Where do you want to do? What do you want to do? You you have to make those decisions. And it's hard to tell yourself that and think that for yourself. But it, hey, if other people can do it, so can I. So, yeah. You've got to make your own opportunity. <clears throat> We're all staring at you, Aaron. You either oh. have to have something really, really deep or a really good job. <clears throat> No, uh, it's deep. Um, yeah, okay, that's fine. I would go back to I can, I can time travel to try and invent a joke if you need, Blake. But no, I, I would that's tell fifth grade. Is. I would tell fifth grade me, you know, that like fifth grade me was very achievement oriented. I was very achievement oriented until I was in my thirties. You know, my my sense of of self worth was really tied to performing well. And you know, I'm as good as my last achievement. I'm as good as my last win. I had to be good at everything. And you know what? I'd hug that kid and I'd say, like, you're enough. You don't have to be the best at everything. You don't have to be, to push yourself so hard. You can relax. You can enjoy life. 
and okay is good enough. That is true. Yeah. And they actually say that in the film a little bit too. It's one of the sub storylines. It is one of the sub. And I, I was thinking about that because, you know, fifth grade Aaron definitely could have heard that message. I probably wouldn't have listened. Yeah. But <laughs> whatever, old man, he skateboards away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was trying to think about like so the soundtrack. I'm going to go back to that for a second. Was so good. I was like, what was I listening to when I was 10? And I'm trying to do the math in my head. Paula and I'm just Abdul. like, yeah, no, like way pre before that. I think so I was like thinking. No, that was when I was age. 10. When I was 10, Paula Abdul, I had a crush on her. She was my first celebrity crush. Wow. Yeah. I don't even think I had cassette tapes yet. I don't even think the cassette tapes were around, but I don't think I was buying them quite at that point. I had wow. to wait till I was in my like 14, 15 year age. My first CD was yeah. a Smash Mouth CD, Fushu yeah. Mang. Wow. Ooh, buddy. Wow. <laughs> It's gotten better, I swear. When I when I had a paper route, I received a paper route from my older brother. So it was kind of in the family for a number, like a decade. Family like, business. Like, like a mafia. A family business. And I had an income. Oh, my God. Like how many, you know, 14-year-olds have an income? Not many, but I did. And I, I decided to have this teeny little boom box that had a cassette player on it. And I would go to the music store and buy used cassette tapes because they were super cheap Cheaper. back then. Yeah. There were like 12 bucks or 15 bucks for a new one, sometimes 10 if you could get it on sale. But the used ones were super cheap, two, mm-hmm. three bucks. And I could get a couple of those. And I was like, at the point in my life where I was like, hey, music meant a lot. Yeah. And I would probably, if I were to go back and talk to myself again, I would say, hey, music does mean a lot. Keep doing that. Follow your passion with that because there's a lot of really good music out there. And just use that to help you get through life because life sucks a lot. Yeah, that reminds always, me, that, yeah, there was something I saw where, you know, there, uh, in an interview, somebody asked, you know, what's the best advice you had ever received and what's the worst advice you'd ever received? And and the answer was, you know, the worst advice ever received was, you know, quote unquote, be realistic, you no. know? And the best advice is think, ask yourself, what if it could be better than you can possibly imagine? It's always, it can always be and, better. And you if, you're gonna, if you're going to stick with music and, and keep that as an important part of your identity and important part of what you do, you know, don't be realistic. Ask yourself, what if it could be better than you could possibly imagine? What if you could eat a song? Eat a song? No, this is this is me mm. now in my fifties going, hey, that Nine Inch Nails song I listened to when I was in high school is now on classic AM radio because <laughs> it's too old to be played on FM. If anyone even actually knows what AM and FM radio is anymore, I think some of our listeners are old enough to know what that is. Yeah, AM is probably before noon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beat me to it. Nicely done. Yeah, no, I grew up Mighty AM. It's like listening to it in the car with the parents be like, oh, we're going to listen to polka. We're going to listen to, yeah, fun stuff. You know, Weird Al did a lot of good polka. He did. He, he did a lot of really good, good for, for polka. He did. Okay, so we're really getting off point here. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And again, so we watched this film called The Adam Project, which is on Netflix. A good movie. I would say kid film, kid appropriate. Uh, Pretty much, Opportunity yes. for not a super young kid, but maybe somebody in the 8 to 10 year range mm-hmm. would understand and respect what's being demonstrated and shown as, hey, this kid, he's a nerd, he gets beat up. But you, hey, I trade my brains for those muscles. And yes, you can too if you put your mind to it and make an effort. And don't get arrested and don't be bitter. And and don't skip leg day. Don't skip leg day. Exactly. So... And smoke that banana. <laughs> yeah, that's smoke said that a few banana. times, which is like, yeah, we're not really going to go into that, but that is mentioned a few times in the film. Any last thoughts before we close this out? It, it's also a fun film for adults. It is. So it's a good family mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Good family For sure. Film. I think that's what they're shooting for. Maybe yeah. not date night worthy. Well, eh. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Not really know, date it, night. It's not the most date night Ryan Reynolds movie. For that, no. you want... Uh, Deadpool. 
I mean, Deadpool is a love story. It is. And the second one is a movie about family. If your it date is. is an astrophysicist, though, or like, a, you know, a, phys- gonna, a physicist of any sort. They're going to fall for Ra- uh, Mark Ruffalo, like everybody does. Like everybody does. Because he's a hottie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, is, he is dreamy as physics dad in this movie. He is. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out, listening, and, you know, find some good beers if you're going to watch this film. Uh, While you're drinking lighter, those beers, yeah. hydrate or you're going to dihydrate. Yes, you will. Because I've been pounding a bunch of water because these were good beers and they're easy to drink. You know, find something fun mm-hmm. and, and enjoyable. So, and as always, you know, opinions expressed during the taping of this recording are those of the hosts. And thanks for listening, everybody. This is Dan signing out. Until next time, this yeah. is Aaron. Thanks for having me. This is Brian. Future and past Blake say bye.